before you today. Luke chapter 12. We're going to talk about life's interruptions today and, and how we handle life's interruptions when they come and how the Lord handled uh, those interruptions as well. And we're going to kind of look at that uh, today. And when life throws you that curveball, uh, what do you do? And, and uh, that's where we find ourselves today. And Father, uh, we owe you everything. Uh, for without you, life is meaningless, pointless. Um, we are men most miserable without you, without the love of God in our lives. And Lord, you have uh, dedicated uh, our lives and your spirit to making sure that we know you in the fullness of who you are and, and in the goodness of who you are. And Lord, you've, uh, it's no secret, as the song said, of what you can do. The only uh, limitation is of what we would allow you to give, do and what we'll give to you, Lord. So I just pray uh, today, Lord, that uh, we hold nothing back as you hold nothing back. Uh, that we give everything, uh, that we may receive all things. And Lord, that we may have a fullness of who you are and what you have planned and willed for our life, the purpose that you have in our life. And Lord, help us to see uh, some new things in us and some new things in you, Lord, that we may follow you more completely and more wholly. Lord, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear that which the Spirit is speaking to the church today. We ask this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. How do we handle life's interruptions? And that's what we're looking at today. Uh, uh, can you, like Paul, can you uh, learn in all things to abound and abase and uh, wherever you find yourself to to lift yourself up and, and to trust in the one on whom you've trusted to, to handle all things according to his will and his way. Uh, when the unexpected uh, happens, can you get back up? Uh, do you get up? Uh, do you get up? give in? Do you give up? Uh, do you look around and, and or do you look up? Uh, do you uh, pray or do you pretend that it's just all uh, a mirage or it's all going away? How do you handle uh, these can you these times when life interrupts you so abruptly? Uh, how can how you deal with them? Uh, can you find a full life in a full world uh, with everything going on around and every uh, thing in a in a generation that don't seem to uh, hold to the same values that that you hold to and work with the same ethic that you work with and and see the same way that you see and can you find? Uh, your way and navigate through this and can you help them maybe perhaps find their way and if so where do you find this and where do you receive this is there a, a mountaintop that we can go to and sit up and as we said in Sunday school just get away or a vacation we can go and get away and close your ears and just hide from the cares of the world and the things that are going on in the world or, or can we go there and, and catch a glimpse of of uh, what God's doing in the world and what He's doing in your life and what He wants for your life. Can we go to that closet or that or that place and, and find God's purpose for your life and meaning uh, for your life? He says that if you'll go to that private place, He'll reveal to you, to you there and also to the world publicly. He will reveal that which He wants you to uh, have. You can catch that glimpse uh, through the busyness of life and you can have that today and you can have that peace today, the Bible says, uh, that we have, He offers us those things today if we're willing to receive uh, those things. And if so, uh, can we have it? We can. Today, on this side of eternity, we know that 
uh, as a Christian, if you're a believer, that you're going home and, and the one day where the eyes will be dried and there's no more fear, no more pain, no more suffering, no more separation. We know those are coming. We know that that's the hope that we have. We know that that's our, our final destination. But can we live that life in this world? Can we live that life with all the things that are going on? How do we deal with these uh, uh, so it, as we do in life, we're looking. People are looking for these things, ways to deal with uh, different things. Let's just take some of the, the obvious and topics of today, how to deal with inflation and economy and, and the groceries and the gas. How do you deal uh, with these? Uh, and we look for wealth, rightfully so, uh, to, to combat the things of the high prices and all these things. And, and we look to... Uh, uh, to work you know the Bible says that if you don't work you don't eat and then we turn around and there's the news and there's wars and there's rumors of wars and there's uh, governments divided on issues uh, that they really shouldn't be uh, divided on and 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 uh, so is uh, the nation divided on issues that really shouldn't be divided on and communities divided uh, on issues that they really shouldn't be divided on and there's division and that's the uh, one of the tactics of the enemy is to come in and to divide and to conquer. And we see that in, in our generation. We see that in our community. We see that with COVID. We see that with church. We see that in life in general. At work, we see it everywhere we go. Uh, more division than there is uh, unity. And we look at all the things that are around us and we look for answers for these things as well. And we, Jesus finds himself in somewhat of a similar <clears throat> situation in uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, in the meantime, <clears throat> well, let's just go up to 1154, one, one verse above that. Uh, the Jews or the Pharisees, or, or they were laying in wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. In uh, chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. And in the meantime, there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another and began to say unto his disciples, uh, first of all, and he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered, and there shall be nothing, uh, and that shall not be revealed, nothing hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness, shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear, in the closets, uh, shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. As we look around the world today, and as he's looking around the world uh, at that particular time, uh, they were laying in wait for him. He was, he was teaching and preaching and, and ministering, and there were those laying in wait uh, for them seeking to catch him and that something he would say would contradict something they were doing, something they were uh, uh, listening for, something they were looking for so that they could criticize and, and scrutinize and accuse him of something wrong so that they could uh, remove him from that place. They were looking for a way to dismiss and discredit uh, Jesus to get rid of him. He's uh, the last, uh, he was the last thing that they needed uh, right now. Because uh, in this place, in the first, in a play, a play on words in first one, it says, and in the meantime, and you know, we live in a meantime today uh, where people and mixed multitudes are all coming together. There was a mixed multitude there. It said there were religious people there. There were unreligious people there. There were believers there. There were followers there. Uh, there was critics there. There were heretics there. There were Pharisees and Sadducees and disciples and skeptics and followers and sick and well. There were a mixed 
multitude together. It says that it, in verse 1, it says that it was an innumerable multitude. There were all kind of people there listening to what Jesus would say. This is a universal message that he's carrying to the world. This is not a private message. This is a public message. This is uh, good news to those who will receive it and bad news to those who will reject it. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of Jesus Christ that we as believers and we as followers also proclaim to a mixed multitude, to innumerable multitudes, and to followers who also do the same thing as we get up, as we minister, as we worship, as we teach, as we go to our day-to-day -day lives. We encounter a mixed multitude who lay in wait, some lay in wait, hoping that they can find something uh, to accuse you or scrutinize you for, while others, though, it gives us hope, lay in wait that they may find something that will help them get through this life, help them with the interruptions of life, and help them with the things that come against them. And while those uh, lay in wait probably outnumber uh, uh, to criticize you, probably outnumber the ones who lay in wait who are hoping that you will offer him something, uh, both lay in wait and there is a multitude of, of ideas out there. There's a multitude of, of characters and people out there, followers, skeptics, sick, well, wealthy, poor, broke, Bearing all believers, all kind, so much that the Bible says that if, if they don't watch out, they begin to trample upon one another. They begin to stack up and they begin to build upon one another. And you know, religion tramples in this day and in our time today, religious tramples on the unreligious. Because if they're not like me and you don't believe like me and you don't think like me, you don't belong with me. You don't fit like me. And the wealthy trample over the poor. It's just the way that the world operates. Uh, it's the people groups, it's the cliques that we have, it's the clubs that we have. And, and you know, politics, they trample over the common people. And leaders usually pull along and trample over followers. A lot of leaders get their leadership because they trampled over followers. Because some of these corporations don't want leaders who lead. They want leaders who will do whatever they say and don't matter what you think. It don't matter how it affects you as long as you do what I say. We can pull them along. We can drag them along. And if they go home, so be it. But not in Christianity. We can't do those things. We can't have those things. The leader, uh, the first is last. The leader is the servant of all. And you know what the critic does? He is over the rational thinker. And that's what is uh, going on in this. He says uh, they were treading and troding and stepping upon one another to get there. And with all the fear, all this going on, the, and you, all the ideas, all the worry, and, and, all, and all the noise uh, going on in the world today, we all know that there's a commotion going on in the world today, that the enemy has got the world in an uproar, that everywhere you look, there's something going on, and everybody is looking for everything to fix or to help. Uh, Jesus does something that the others don't do. He does something different. He turns and he don't look at the world and he don't look at the mixed multitude and he don't look at the needs and, and, and everything that's going on. The Bible says in verse 1, he says, And he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He begins, he, to, when, I'm going to just tell you, Jesus does something profound. When he can't see, Everything that's going on around him, when you can't see the way you need to go, when you can't see the answer before you, when you can't see where the light switch is because it's so dark, sometimes you got to listen. 
Sometimes you just got to listen and he says, everybody's coming around and there's so much of a multitude, so much of a racket, so much of a ruckus and, and so many different voices, ideas, opinions, this way, that way, this God, that God, this uh, he, this medicine, that med, mask, band-aids, uh, work, everything going on in your life. And he says, sometimes you just got to quit looking for different things to answer your questions and you got to listen to the Lord speak. You got to listen to what the Lord is saying. And Jesus began to speak. He, but you know what? He didn't speak to them. He spoke. He spoke. He spoke to y'all. He spoke to the. He said he turned to his twelve, and he said, "Listen, guys, be careful because there's some gradual stuff that's going to creep in. That's going to take you from here to where they're at." It's going to get you trodden and stepping on other people to get you to advance into some areas that I've never designed for you to be in. Be careful of the leaven of religion. Be careful of the leaven of the crowd. Be careful of the leaven of these Pharisees, the hypocrites. And he and hypocrites, and he began to speak to his, his trusted. And that's what we need to do. When you can't see, you need to listen. And when you begin to listen, he begins to speak. And you know what? He's speaking to us. He's speaking to the ones he trusts. He's speaking to the one he believes. And he looks to us and he says, Listen, be careful. Be careful of those gradual things that creep in. Uh, to the Pharisees, he would say, be careful of those rules and regulations that exclude you. Now remember we talked about that last, uh, I think it was last week, it says we don't, we don't come together in unity because we exclude the sinner and welcome the saint. We come to glue. Uh, it's not through exclusion. It's through conversion that we come together in unity. That all uh, can be saved at the foot of the cross. That all can come to Jesus and know Him in the fullness of His grace and mercy. That all can be can repent and be saved. We can't say you can and you can or you should and you shouldn't. He says. He says they they can all come, but for you to be stable when they get here, beware of those gradual things, ideas, thoughts principles that come into your mind uh, that separate you and divide you from what I'm saying to you. From what I'm saying to you. Because of what you see, you, you're, you're fearful, he says. But listen to what I'm saying. What you see or what you say. Don't let what you see change what he said. Don't let what, he see, what you see change what he said. You see a mixed multitude. You, you, you see all these different thoughts. You see all these different ideas. You see all this culture coming together. And you see this way and this way and that way. But he says, be careful of those gradual things because they will plant seeds in you and they will divide you and pull you away. You can't, when you can't see, you've got to listen. You've got to listen. He says, look at the leaven. And he says there's another leaven. It's really uh, beware of the leaven of life. Beware of the leaven of life. The life comes in. One of the biggest tactics that the enemy uses is life. Is life. And it comes in and, 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 it, and it has a way of, 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 of telling you uh, different things. That this is how it is. This is the way it is. This, is. this is what you say. This is what you do. This is how you are. This is why you're that way. And this is where you do it. And you just got to accept it and tough it out. And let the rough end drag. And roll with the punches. And get over it. That's just how it is. And Jesus says beware of that kind of thinking. Beware of that kind of thinking. It's a gradual influence and impact that gets you off course from the plans that I have for your life. Be aware of those things that are gradually growing in your heart. 
Beware of those things that are gradually growing in your life. And he deals with three things here. He deals with fear in this chapter. He, he deals with people and covetousness. And he deals with worry. And he deals with those things. So how do we, we're going to deal with those and we'll touch on those for just a minute. So how do we deal with fear and fear in his life? And he talks about that in verse 4. He says, I say unto you, friend, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he is killed had the power to cast in hell. Yes, I say unto you, fear him. So how do we deal with fear? And one of the things that he obviously opens up right there is one of the biggest fears that we have uh, in the world today would be the fear of death. There's a fear of death. It is appointed once for man to die, and then the judgment. Death is a reality. It is a reality. And there is a story. Uh, it says that uh, there was a merchant in Baghdad who sent his uh, servant to the market. And when the servant returned, he was in a white. He was as white as a sheet, trembling all over. He told his master, "When I was in the market, I bumped into someone in the crowd, and when I turned around, I saw it was death, who jostled me and." made a threatening gesture towards me. Master, please lend me your horse so I may flee to Samaria and hide where death cannot find me. And the merchant lent him a horse and the servant galloped off to the great haste. And later that day, the merchant himself was at the market and saw death standing in the crowd. And he approached her and asked, Why did you threaten my servant this morning? I did not threaten him, death replied. I was only surprised to see him in the market in Baghdad for I have an appointment tonight with him in Samaria. We came... We can run from death, but we cannot hide from it. For again, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this is the judgment. After this is the judgment. And Jesus tells us in 12, 4 through 5, that death is imminent. It's coming. We're going to go through those things. That's going to be a part of it. He says, but if you're going to fear, don't fear death, fear eternity. If you're going to fear, don't fear the one that's going to kill, that can kill you. Fear the one who has control over where your eternity lies. Where your eternity lies. Jesus tells us uh, that in Luke chapter 12, 4, 5. He says, in a world where a multitude and, and, and all is unsettling, and he says, fear not. The one, for, the one word that, that really stands out for four in chapter 4 is this. It's not that we're appointed once for man to die or that we're going to die or that, or that that's going to happen. I'm not being morbid here. I'm, I'm giving us hope here. The Bible says that he turns and he says, but friend, friend. In a, in a place like that, in a world like that, in a world like this, it is very comforting me, for me to know that the Lord God looks at me and he says, listen, with everything going on in your life, everything going on around you, with everything that you're going through, Friend, I want to tell you this. That whole multitude begged for the opportunity, trolled upon one another, either to accuse him or to hear that one word, friend. And he looks at these 12 men and he says, Friends, I tell you. Uh, and, I, and, and you know what people of, uh, that have influence want from people who don't? They want to be called friend. They want to be included. They want to, to, to be a part of it. And he looks at these 12 men and he says, Friends, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You don't have to fear the day you die. You must fear the one who holds eternity in your hands, in his hands. That's the one you better be worried about. That's the one you need to worry about. So don't fear death. Fear the life that comes after it. Fear the life that comes after it. 
Verse 5, 6, he goes on, uh, Are you not a sparrow sowed for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten? He says, You're not forgotten. Verse 7 says, But you are accepted. You are accepted. But in every hair on your head is numbered. Fear not. I hadn't forgotten you. Fear not if you, if you don't feel like life's going your way. I haven't forgotten you. Fear not if, if, if the multitudes are coming and you, don't, you can't see the way out and you don't know what... I hadn't forgotten you. The enemy hasn't come in and wrecked your life. I didn't forget you. I've accepted you. Matter of fact, I remember you just how you are. I remember everything about you. I know every idle word and every idle thought. He's talking to these twelve. Don't I? I know where you come from, Matthew. I know what you used to do, Peter. I, I know how you talk, Peter. I, I, I know you love me, John. Everybody knows it. I, I know you're, you're, what you're doing, uh, Philip and Andrew. And I, I know these things. I know what you're doing, Jeff. I know how you are. And I've, you know, I didn't forget you. I've accepted you. I numbered your hair. I created you fearfully and wonderfully made you that way. Yes. I made you that way. I made you who, are, who you are. And you know what? Whoso, verse 8. So don't fear death. Fear the one who has control. And also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. He knows everything about you. And he says, I still accept you. He says, I haven't forgotten you. And he calls you friend. And he says, if you'll confess me before men, you have nothing to worry about when that day comes. You have nothing. I haven't forgotten you and I will not forget. I didn't forget you now and I won't forget you then. I've accepted you now and I'll accept you then. If you confess me now, I'll confess you then. But if you deny me here, I will deny you then. And there's one that's coming uh, after me. And you know what? I'll tell you what. He goes a step far. He said, I'll tell you what. I'll go to the cross and, and you can deny me. If you're the Son of God, come down. If, if you're really God, why are you up there? And you can mock me and make fun of me and smite me and hit me and spit on me there. And you know what? You can do that to the Son of Man in verse 10 and I'll still forgive you. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you and gets in your heart and says, you know what? Truly this man is the Son of God. Truly there is no one like Him. Truly He is the one that has made all the ways. Truly He is the one that has made the difference. But I will not follow Him. I cannot forgive that. I cannot forgive that. For if today is the day, then today is the day. I will, my Spirit will not always dwell with men. It will not always strive with men. But it will always come after men. It will always draw you to Him. If He's lifted up, the Spirit will come and draw all men unto Himself. And if you won't come, it's not on Him. It's on you. For whosoever will, let Him come. Amen. Let Him come. Whosoever is everybody. It's a universal statement. It's a language that everybody speaks. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be. He is not a. He is not their God. He is not the twelve's God. He says, "Listen, we want them, but if you're going to get them, then you got to be aware and be uh, take courage of the leaven of life that's coming, the things and the cares of this world." He sows good seed on good ground. He sows it in the wayside, and he sows it in the path and. And he sows it in the rocks. And the cares of the world come. 
The fowl comes and the cares of the world also come. And he says, you've got to be careful, Peter, of the cares of the world. I don't believe these people were broke. He said, well, if, we're, if, we're, if it's easier for a rich man uh, camel than a rich man, how do we get in? They had everything they needed. I, I got ahead of myself. I got way off, really. I didn't get ahead of myself. He said, if you confess me before men, how you trusted in me, then you have no fear of death. You have no fear of your eternity. For I, where I am, you shall be also. There's no fear of rejection. I hadn't forgotten you. I know, I know him. Known him since he was a kid. I hadn't forgotten. Never forgot you. And there's a no fear of rejection. And there's no fear of being not being accepted for every hair. Every I've always loved you just the way you are. Every hair numbered. You are forgiven. Forgiveness is liberating. It is a powerful. And you know what? It's not that for me to forgive you. It's for it's so he that he can forgive me. It's so that I can forgive, forget, and move on. And I'm not sure that you forget, but you can move on. And it's not, it's probably not a wise to. It's good to forgive and move on. Sometimes it's safe to for, uh, not to forget lest you find yourself in that position again. But you can't dwell on it. You can't dwell on it. And he says, friend. He says, friend. He calls you friend. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is liberating. Justified in Christ. I am forgiven. No more guilt. No more condemnation. No more. I've trusted in Him, my Savior, my Christ, my Lord. I'm listening to you, friend. I'm listening to you, yes. And He says, you have a future. In verse 11 and 12, He says, And when you bring you into the synagogues and into the magistrates and powers, take no thought how or what thing you will answer or what you shall say. Don't take with you no thought, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour in what you should say. And what you should say. You know, I have these notes up here, and, I, and as you notice, I go back and forth with these notes, but you know what? I wrote the notes. The notes, I'm not confined to these notes. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not bound to these notes, nor am I crazy enough to, to have these notes. I've studied all week, studied all week, I've listened, I've looked all week, and you know what? I've realized this week, I've looked and looked and looked and looked and looked, and I didn't see anything this week, and I began to listen. And I began to listen. And he says, take no thought. Take no thought about what you're going to say. He said, you're preaching to an audience of one. I want you to, this is freeing right here. This is free. He, the, the Son of Man, didn't come uh, to be served, but to serve. You are here to serve Him. You are here, and if you will serve Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will serve your brother in a way uh, that is beyond the way anybody else can serve you. Because only the Creator knows the creation like the creation needs to be known. I don't know you like you should be known. I don't know you. Uh, I don't, I'm not spying. I'm not trolling on Facebook to try to see uh, what's going on with you so that I can preach. I don't care about all that. I'm not into all that. I'm, I'm into this. I'm into relation. I'm, I'm into overflow. I'm into the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that teaches me that I need this. And if I can do it in my life, then you can do it in your life. It's an example. It's a leading. Imitate me. Imitate me. Follow me. Faith is a following. It's the it's the, it's the, it's the overflow of life. It's the future. It's the future. And he says to what? When you come into this, don't take any thought. Take the Holy Spirit with you. Amen. Don't take your words. Take my words. 
Don't take, don't take my word for it. Take His word for it. And take me with you. And the Holy Spirit shall teach you. In another place He says, you have no need for another teacher. The Holy Spirit can teach you these things. I can't teach you these things. I can get you interested. I can get you emotional. But He can teach you all things in which you need to know. He is the great teacher. I love how Luke pours this Holy Spirit uh, in the gospel before it's even poured out in the earth because he's, he knows what he's talking about. He wrote Acts. He knows what happened in chapter 2. He knows what's going on. He knows it's there. He can feel Don't you know it's there? Can't you feel it? Can't you feel it in your life? Can't you feel it in your day to day? Can't you hear it when the multitudes are trampling upon you and everybody else to get what they want? Can't you hear the Holy Spirit look at you and say, Friend, Friend, you have a future. You have a future. And this Holy Spirit sealed you. He's got you. And He's poured out on you. And He's poured out in you. And He's got you. Poured out. We talked about that last week. Poured out. Old, older men and women dream dreams so that this new generation can have visions uh, so that this younger generation can make it a reality. In the world today, that is the lifeblood of the church. That is the life of the church. The dreams that these they have gone before us have are visions of us doing what we're doing so that these young ones can stand in the gap. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, he's raised up a standard, a generation that can stand up and say, if he did it for my grandparents, and he did it for my daddy, and he did it for a mama, Lord, won't you do it for me? And he says, I hadn't forgotten them, I hadn't forgotten him, and I will not forget you. I will not. And he, and, he, and he says, friend, come. And he says, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten you. We're leaving generations here. We're leaving legacies here. And you know what? This God's got plenty for everybody. He's got plenty for everybody. So he teaches on that. He teaches on that. And ain't that great? I mean, wouldn't it just how wonderful is this? How wonderful is this message? How wonderful and inviting is this that we can go from death to life like that and have a faith and a future in Jesus Christ and all of our hope is found in Him and on nothing else. Everything else is sinking sand. We have this message. We have this hope. We have this faith. We have this promise. The Spirit poured out. This guarantee poured out. And somebody said, Oh, Jesus. Excuse me. Hey, my... Verse 13. My, my brother... Uh, got the inheritance and he won't give it to me. He won't give me my share. Where does that come from out of left field? Where does that come from? Oh, 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 by the way, I, that sounds good. Did good. Great job. Now listen, my brother's got uh, parents passed away and uh, the, tell him to divide his inheritance with me, verse 13. And he said, man, who, who made me judge and divider over you? You talking about? And then he looks at his disciples again and says, Listen, beware of this kind of stuff. Beware of this kind of stuff. Beware of this kind of stuff. Take heed, verse 15, and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not of the abundance of things which uh, he possesses. Not only does he in life interrupt us, we interrupt life sometimes. 
Well, this is what I wanted. This is what, you know, and, and the whole time Jesus is giving that message and giving that comfort and giving that uh, a, a teaching and he's giving all that to the disciples and to the multitude. This guy's sitting here thinking the whole time, how can I get what I want? How can I get him to serve me? I don't need him to save me. I need him to serve me. I need him to fix me. I need him to heal me. I need him to provide for me. I need him to give me. I need him to, to let me. I need him to, I need, I need to have him. I need to have Him. Have you ever interrupted God when He was speaking? Have you ever looked around and listened to God and God's telling you everything that you need to know to get you ready uh, for the next season in your life? And you say, well, yeah, listen, God, uh, by the way, I need you to do this. And it has nothing you think to do to pertain to what He's doing in your life. Because you're not listening. You're looking at everything going on around. And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden what he's saying becomes less important than what I'm going through. God forbid for everything that gives us life. What does he say? Uh, uh, man do not live off bread alone but off every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God forbid that anything in my life becomes more important than what he's saying. Sometimes He just wants you to be quiet, be still, and know that He's God. Amen. Sometimes He just needs you to be still, be quiet, and know that your life, He knows, He knows. How is your life more valuable than His Word? How is your life more valuable? Beware of this covetousness, this leaven that creeps in and says, you know what, That's that message you've got of salvation, forgiveness of sin, acceptance, uh, justification, and a spirit-filled life is good, Lord. But what about, I need me now. I need my stuff now. I, I, need, I need heaven on earth without heaven in heaven. I, I need, I, th th that interrupts what I've got going on. So excuse me if you don't mind, I'm going to interrupt you and say, look, I need you to give me what's rightly mine now. I trade that in for this today. I trade that in. I, I want that. And he says there was a rich man who the ground gave good things. And, and that's in verse uh, 16, uh, 17. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room to put this stuff. And he said, This will I do. I will pour down my barns and build greater, and I will bestow all my fruits and goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, uh, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night my soul, thy soul is required of thee. And when then, who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So it is with he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. It's what he's saying. He says, uh, This rich man looked to himself and said, I've got all these, I've got plenty, I've got it all, I've got no room uh, to put all this stuff. Uh, nowhere to, to put it in. Uh, uh, and my soul is satisfied. And then he interrupts. Of course, he's interrupted then. Then Jesus' voice does the interruption and says, what about today? What about tonight? What about tonight? Your soul is satisfied. So now the one voice is interrupting. Give me mine. Give me my stuff. And then there's another voice that booms louder than that and says, yeah, well, give me what's required of me. And Jesus says this appointed once to man to die. And after that, he says, there's a day coming and Jesus interrupts your life. You've interrupted his life. You've interrupted the things that he wants to do in your life. 
And as you follow down that path and you never give any consideration on what he wants to do in your life or, or what you're required to do in his life, in his economy, in his system, in his plans, in his way, then he interrupts you, you fool. Today's the day. I'll give you season after season, <laughs> prosperity after prosperity. Now listen, don't covet what he had. Nothing really tells you that he did anything wrong. He was a he was a, a wealthy man, prosperous man. He had barns and buildings and crops and all these things. He had it in today's standards going on. And he says, uh, don't covet what he had because what he didn't have was a right attitude with God. A right uh, 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 relationship with God. Friend, I hadn't forgotten you. I accept you. You're forgiven. Fool, you never, you have forgotten me. Never accepted me. Never received my forgiveness. And today, your soul is required. Your soul is safe. Your soul is safe. Today, your soul is required. Do you have a full barn? A full crop? What are you hoarding up? And what has the Lord given you? It says that the ground given to him. The ground blessed him. What's the Lord given you uh, for you to use, for you to give? This is, a, this is a, something about the... He says it is his good will to give you the kingdom. He says consider these things. Consider the, consider the raven. Consider the, uh, the uh, who don't have to uh, look for anything and his, the Heavenly Father provides it. Compare it to you. How much more would he give you? Consider the lilies. And we're, we're going to close with this, but I want to get this point. Consider the lilies and compare them to you, verse 28. And how, uh, I want to read 27 and 28 because that is really good. Uh, uh, 27, consider the lilies and how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? If you don't want to worry or fear, he says one of the key things to that is faith. Faith eliminates all that. Faith eliminates worry. Faith gives substance. That's what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things not seen. Faith gives substance to what worry withers away. It gives the substance back to what worry withers away. Faith is the evidence of what faith is hiding from you. You know, there's a healthy faith, and I'm in mean, a fear and an unhealthy fear. There's a healthy fear that I don't touch a stove and I don't get burned. There's an unhealthy fear uh, that a stove will burn you so I never eat. It's unhealthy. Unhealthy fear. Healthy fear and unhealthy fear. Faith is the evidence of what fear hides, and faith gives uh, a good report. By that, the elders received a good report and without faith it's impossible to please God. It's without faith you won't take that step. Without faith you won't take his journey. Without faith you won't give what's rightfully his to him. Faith shows that. Faith tell faith showed uh, well just faith shows Abel how to worship in Hebrews. We're talking one through Hebrews eleven. Faith tells Enoch where to walk and where not to walk that is closer to come to God than is and is to go back home. Faith tells Noah to keep building, there's a day coming. Keep building, there's a day coming. And Abraham that there is a place, not a barn, rich man, 
Not a barn to store, but there is a place where a city whose maker and builder is God that you can dwell in. You can dwell in. That's what we're looking for. Faith that allows us to build a legacy and a lineage to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. And he talks about Solomon. I like that he talks about Solomon because he also says in verse 30, don't you know that you have a father who loves you? And you know what was wrong what happened to Solomon? Solomon was passionate at first and he, and he had passion. Read the song of Solomon and tell how passionate he was about God and about the things in his youth. And he says, you know what, God? If I can have anything in the kingdom, I want wisdom to rule these people. Oh, Solomon, what a wonderful request that you've asked these things of God and it is granted to you and he's passionate in the song of Solomon. And in the midlife, he's in, in a... In a, in a help me, it starts Proverbs. He says... Uh, he's wise in the way that he's ruling and he's wise in the way that he's uh, uh, leading and guiding and giving wise counsel. But when it comes to Ecclesiastes, something's happened. Something has happened by the time he gets into the older part because the interruptions of life, the leaven of life has done got a hold of him by this point. In Ecclesiastes 1, he says, everything is vanity, everything under the sun, and nothing is good after, under the sun. And he goes through his resume and his memories of life. And at the end of it, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the matter of an unfulfilled, unsatisfied, unprosperous life who has stored up and stored up and give me me and let me have a selfish life. Let us hear the life. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's evil. The problem was not that uh, Solomon uh, had the kingdom, but it was better when his daddy did. It was better on Solomon when his daddy had the kingdom than it was when he got it. I don't know about you, but I've had the kingdom I had the kingdom and I had to give it back to him at an altar when I gave my life to him and said, this kingdom I'm living, it's better your way. And I had to give that kingdom back to the Father because I ruled it with a terrible, I, I mean, it was a disaster when I was like, like Solomon. It was a disaster when I ruled the kingdom. And that's what he said here to this rich man. When you give it back to him, He's given you everything in life. Would you give it back to him? Would you give it back to him? Brother, Brother Chris comes. Would you give it to him today? You gotta, you gotta give it. That's, that's the way. That's what he says right here in one of these verses. He says, Go and give alms. Sell all that you have and go and give alms. He's not trying to, he don't want you not to have anything. He's not gonna, he don't want your stuff. He don't want your stuff not to have you. He don't want this life to dictate what you do. And the problem is not that life comes at you. For the rich man, it's not. It's not the things that we go through that life. It's just like this, this game here I have. The sky's the limit. You can do anything you want to. But the problem is, is we don't know who, I don't know if you're familiar with this game, but you set the amount of turns that you take to tell us how long the game lasts. And God makes that in our life. He sets that day in our life. And we can play the game and we can have, we can live it. As it says, we can live it, we can earn it, we can love it, we can learn it, we can do all kinds of, we can have it. The sky's the limit. But when that last turn rolls, you hear, and you find out, life's over. Life's over, just that quick. 
Just that soon. Just that simple. And you know what happens? Everything that you accumulated in this life goes back in the box and goes back in the cabinet and it's, it's over with. It's over with. There's not, nothing you can do, nothing I can do. I mean, it's just, that's just the way it is. In the game of life. Oh, but friend, he says, don't worry about putting it back in the box and back on the shelf. I've got bigger and better things. We're going to spend an eternity together. We're going to spend an eternity together. If you will seek this instead of this, where are you at? 